Jesus to be here and help us, and especially help me. Amen? Lord, we thank you that you set aside a time to come and be with us, and we have came here seeking a blessing. So please, through the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the blessing that we have come to seek. And when we leave, may people know we have spent time with you because of the smile on our face and the song in our heart. And thank you, Father, for the privilege of speaking to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, there's two nice things about this. If you don't like me, it's Doc's fault. (laughs) And if you do like me, I'll take the credit. (laughs) For those of you that don't know me, my name is Jack. My wife says if you have trouble remembering that, you remember an animal's got four legs, two long ears, and occasionally he's rather stubborn. I was in Texas, and one lady says, oh, you're talking about a jackrabbit. My wife said that'll work, too. He hops around a lot. Um, I know we got at least one doctor. I don't know if we have any others or if we have teachers or attorneys or dentists or whatever. I want to apologize to y'all in advance, okay? Um, I was born in Grants Pass, Oregon. Everybody says, what part of Texas are you from, except when I'm in Texas, you know? Grants Pass, Oregon. I've been a cowboy since I was that high. I grew up on Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, and Hopalong Cassidy, Okay. And yes, I used to be the fastest gun on the block. But anyway, yes, I ride horses and love it. Um, it's, I learned when I was stationed in Fort Polk, Louisiana, the southern ways, and, and some of the southern things just kind of rubbed off on me. And so that's why people ask me, what part of the, you know, Texas are you from? Now, listen, I use double negatives. That's when you say you ain't got none when you do have some, okay? I I split infinitives. (laughs) My boss even sent me to school, and I was so glad he did. I learned that I had lived long enough. It was actually correct English to split infinitive. Y'all know what an infinitive is? I didn't. You know, to boldly go where no man has ever went before, okay? To go is an infinitive. You can now split it, and it's all right. Hallelujah, I made it, okay? I very seldom over, ever get over a $5 word, okay? You'll never have to look at your wife and say, what did he say? You know? Now, I'm not telling you to let you think I'm stupid. I'm not. I'm, I'm currently working on my master's degree, you know, in divinity, Old and New Testament, but I haven't let that affect me yet, okay? A matter of fact, they were... Y'all mind if I take this off? It's a little warm in here for me, you know. I'm one of those, you know, 60, 70 people. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, when we're looking at that, uh, it's more important that somebody understands what you're talking about you know, and even if they, if if I ever do get a doctorate degree, I'm never going to allow anybody to call me doctor. Okay, I, I remember that Alan Parker, I don't know if any of you ever met him, he was the um, evangelism coordinator for Amazing Facts. I worked with Amazing Facts for 15 years, and uh, he finally graduated and got a doctor's degree. And everybody around the office started calling him Dr. Parker. And we had a workers' meeting. We all came together, and there was Dr. Parker this and Dr. Parker that. And I said, Alan, I don't care what you are. You're still Alan, okay? Are we on the same page, boy? You know? (laughs) So, you know, when we... I believe, you know, I'd rather say 10 words somebody could understand than a 1,000 words they can't. Some people are... Some people are impressed with their education and they want to impress you with it. How many of you have ever met uh, Paul Hawks? Pastor in Ukiah, okay, doctor degree, all right. He's always our parliamentarian, you know, uh, up when we go to the Northern California Conference uh, meeting. Uh, he got his first assignment as a pastor in my church. 
Citrus Heights. And, of course, you may know he was a professor at Pacific Union College. He was the head of dean up at Weimar. So now he comes to be able to be our pastor. He started talking. About five minutes into his sermon, I raised my hand. And he said, yes. I said, what did you just say? Explain that to me. I don't understand it. So he went back and he explained the word, right? He talked for about 10 minutes more. My hand went up and I said, I'm sorry. You're going to have to tell me what that means, you know. (laughs) I did it a third time. By the time I got to my fourth time, I didn't have to raise my hand. He said, now for Jack, this is what I just said. (laughs) You know, by the time he left our church, he could talk English, you know. (laughs) And if you talk to him, he still laughs about that to this day. Paul and I are really good friends, you know. Um, The thing that's near and dear to my heart more than anything else is a relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, You know, I'm going to tell you something, and in some circles I get in trouble. We're not saved by the Sabbath. We're not saved by the church. We're not saved because we know the truth about the state of the dead. We're not saved, you know, because some of us are vegetarians and some don't eat cheese, okay? We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes when I start talking and I get into my subjects, some people will say, oh, here we go again, love, love, love. I want you to know something. I'm a legalist. Now, that's my definition of a legalist, okay? My definition of a legalist is to know Jesus personally and to know the Father, which, by the way, is eternal life. That's John chapter 5, verse 15. Yeah, chapter 15, verse 5, excuse me. Um, The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you become a legalist, but nobody can tell it. Hello? Okay? You know, people ask me. Well, I'll tell you one experience that, that really amazed me. I was down south, okay, Tennessee, and we were holding a big meeting. I, we had, I think, about 350 people there, visitors, not counting church members. And there was this one fellow, fairly nicely dressed, kind of waited for me. You know what I mean? You can always tell. And so finally, when most everybody had gone, he came up and he stuck, he stuck out his hand and introduced himself. He says, I want to ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, why do you go to church on Saturday? Now, I hadn't even got to that subject yet, right? Why do you go to church on Saturday? And I looked at him and I said, because I love Jesus. He said, oh, now, come on. I'm not looking for a cop out here. I want to know why do you go to church with Jesus? I mean, why do you go to church on Saturday? He said, I love Jesus, too. I said, wow, we got something in common, you know? (laughs) He said, no, come on now. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, do you believe Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? He says, Well, of course. I said, and since Jesus is the way, how many times did he say, follow me? Hello? He said, yeah. I said, do you believe Jesus is our example? He says, of course. I said, in everything? He said, well, of course. I said, let me just give you one text. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus had a habit of going to church on Saturday and reading his Bible. Hello? That's why I go. He got the strangest look on his face, stuck his hand back out, shook my hand. He said, you know, I've asked asked Adventists. He said, I don't know how many times we've had talks, almost arguments over this subject. And he says, they try to share all this verses and everything with me. He said, but you know what? I can't argue with what you just said. I hope that's why you go to church on Saturday. Amen. Because you're not saved because you went to church on Saturday. You can go to church every day of the whole life on Saturday. That don't mean you're going to be saved. Why? Sabbath don't save you. Hello? If you're not going because you love Jesus, you might as well stay home. It ain't getting you any brownie points. Okay? Sometimes all it does is cause trouble for somebody else in the church. You know? 
And by the way, we're Seventh-day Gladventists, not Seventh-day Sadventists. Some of y'all ought to notify your face you really are in love with Jesus. Amen? Amen. You know, if we can't be happy, who can be in Fort Bragg? Huh? Everybody ought to walk. Let me tell you, I'm going to give you witness practice. I know people say, oh, I don't want to know. Come on, we're going to learn witness practice. Are you ready? Everybody look at somebody else and do this. Come on. I know you think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you something. You walk around with a smile on your face all the time, somebody's going to say, are you always happy? And you can say yes, and they'll say why, and you can say, because Jesus loves me. Amen? And you just witnessed. By the way, the Lord didn't call you to go out and preach the Sabbath or to preach the state of the dead. The Lord said, go tell them what I've done for you. It has to be natural or it means nothing. You know, there are too many people, Seventh-day Adventists and other churches too, who are trying very, very hard to produce fruit. You know what that reminds me of? Safeway peaches. Now, some of you already know what I'm talking about. You know, you get down there and you look at them. They look so nice. You buy some, take them home, and you go, what is that? that? Right? I mean, there is no way anybody wants one. But now, if you let the peach stay attached to the tree (laughs) until it's ready, all right, and then you take it, man, up where I live, they got an orchard up there, is O. Henry Peaches. You know, and they get to be about that big around. And I'm telling you, they would create diabetes. They're so wonderfully tasty. And I can't wait to get to heaven and taste one like Jesus made for real back then. Amen? Folks, the secret of producing fruit is quit trying. Just stay attached to the tree and he'll produce the fruit. And then guess what happened? People will see something in you. They will just taste something in you they want. We wonder why we don't get people to come. It's because most of the time we're trying too hard to get them here. Or teach them about the Sabbath. You know what I mean? Folks, I believe with all my heart, the test in the end is who will you worship? That's going to be the test, okay? I even, I even had Amazing Facts Evangelist said, well, when Jesus comes, everybody will be a baptized Seventh-day Adventist that's translated. And I said, where do you get that from? He says, well, it says so in the, in the spirit of prophecy. I said, no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. I said, no, it doesn't. And he tried to send me some emails that he took out of context to try to bend them to me. I sent him back and I said, you need to read the whole page, brother. You know, I, I'm, I'm a hardbound person. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I, I use a computer only because it's, it's out of necessity. I hate it. They say it saves you time. That's the biggest bunch of Texas, you know what, I've ever heard of. They're more timely, costly than anything else, you know. I remember before we had FedEx, fax machines, and all this other malarkey. And guess what? We still made money, you know. Isn't that an amazing fact? Anyway, (laughs) folks, I firmly believe that when Jesus comes... There's going to be people who go to heaven who are still eating pork. Hello? They're still wearing the wrong stuff. Hello? Okay? You know, why? Because we're not saved because we don't eat pork. We're not saved because we don't wear things or we do wear things. What's going to be the test? Who will you worship? Amen? Amen? Now listen, they ain't none of them going to argue when Jesus says, by the way, uh, up here we're vegetarians. You think anybody's going to have a problem giving up bacon? Uh-uh. And if Jesus says, by the way, we don't wear that up here, you think they're going to have a problem taking it off? No. Why? 
Because they love him. And whatever he says will be fine with them. Amen? You know, we're told in the spirit of prophecy that when Jesus comes, there will be those that are caught up that have never kept the Sabbath. And, and, and we're told we're going to keep a Sabbath on the way to heaven. Now, do you, and, and you know, we got 70 Adventists look at poor little Sunday keepers as if they're lost folk. I, I, believe there's, I believe there's more people going to church on Sunday that are going to get to heaven than there are those going on Saturday. Why? We're not saved by a day. And I'm not taken away from the Sabbath. Why do I go to church on Saturday? Because I love Jesus. Amen. Listen. Folks, it's amazing that when this comes down to the test, we need to understand what's going to make the difference. Now, does that mean I don't preach the truth? No, I preach all the truth. But I'm going to tell you something. I won't preach anything if I can't make Jesus the central of it. Do you understand that? You know? I will not preach it unless I can lift up Jesus Christ. Joe Cruz, you know, I'm old enough. Joe was still there. Matter of fact, Joe Cruz baptized my wife and I in 1981 in the Central Church, and our life had never been the same since. And I was sitting in the office back before I was with Amazing Facts, and uh, I had gone to Romania. I was voted the first official lay evangelist for Amazing Facts. I guess if you want to hold something, that's a good thing to hold. I went down to the office on Thanksgiving Day. I didn't figure anybody would be there, right? This is when it was still in Maryland. Amazing, Joe was there. And you know, any of you ever met Joe, he had one of those natural abilities. I mean, if he ever met you and, and learned your name, he'd always remember it. You know what I'm saying? And Joe asked me about, Jack, do you preach all of the things and the standards and everything else? And I said, oh, yeah, when it comes to, you know, um, uh, the wedding ring, I mean, you know, I do this, that. And he, he smiled and he said, I know where you get that from, Dan Collins. He said, Jack, I want you to make me a promise. He said, I don't care what the subject is. If you can't make Jesus the center of it, don't preach it. I can't wait to see him and tell him I kept my promise. Okay? You know what's lacking in our church today? The most important thing. If I be lifted up, I will draw all. Okay? I've asked this question, believe it or not, all over the world of Seventh-day Adventists. If you met a person and you'll never ever meet him again and you had the opportunity to witness to them for five minutes, what would you witness to them about? Would you like to guess what the number one answer was? Go ahead, guess. I wished, honey. The Sabbath, you're absolutely right. Sabbath. Would you like to guess what the second most uh, uh, answer giving was? No, that's third. Second is the state of the dead. I can't believe that. If you had five minutes with this person, time and eternity in the balance, and you're going to witness about the Sabbath... Come on, witness about the creator of the Sabbath. If they fall in love with Jesus, the creator, the Sabbath is never an issue. Are you hearing me? We need to share Jesus and lift him up. We talked about it for 15 years in our workers meeting at Amazing Facts about evangelists doing different things. The problem is you have to do six meetings a year and they have to be five weeks long or you don't get your paycheck. Hello? Okay? Now, we always talked about other stuff. My wife and I, Sally, were, became convinced that the thing lacking in our church is Jesus. 
Okay? Oh, we talk a good fight. Do we really know him? You know? I'm going to tell you something. Salvation is a gift. Okay? You can't earn it. When Del Donovan, I don't know how many of you know him, I know you'll know, you know, uh, Elder Pedersen. Uh, when they first extended the call, I say this facetiously, the first call into evangelism officially was Northern California Conference by Elder Snyder, okay? Way back in 1994. <laughs> but anyway... That's a long story, and I'll tell you later. They wanted, Dell wanted me to come and uh, be the evangelist. And he said, Jack, but we don't want you to just be an evangelist holding meetings. He says, we want you to also teach other people how to hold meetings, how to do that. You know, one person, I just got the phone call back from Hayfork. Any of you ever been to Hayfork? That's a big place, right? <laughs> they just they just baptized four people from a meeting that a layman had there. And he got what he was using from me. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't want any of the credit. But the thing of it was, it was simple enough. He knew he could do it. And the Lord's blessing. And uh, he said, Jack, we want you to teach others how to do it. And that was a real key. My wife and I had to pray about it an awful lot. The first person I talked to, honestly, off the record, was Doug Batchelor. Doug and I have known each other before either one of us were with amazing facts. Doug's first words out of his mouth when I, when I told him, he said, wow. I said, what? he says, oh, I'm sorry, Jack, you can take that several ways. He said, I didn't mean it that way. He said, you know, this conference has always had a rule that they don't hire anybody at least unless they've got an associate's degree. He said, now the first exception was me. He said, now you're the second exception. I'm not a product of our schools, okay? Uh, but I'll tell you how you can have several degrees in Bible knowledge if you'd like to get it. And let me tell you, it's amazing study and it's the most wonderful thing. You want the Bible to come alive for you? I'll share with you how you do it. <clears throat> ever, anybody ever heard Doug say something on that? I'll never forget. We went down to West, Co West Point of Evangelism. Any of you heard of that? Down in Southern California, put on by the Union every year. And they had asked Doug to speak. <laughs> and somebody had talked to him about learning homiletics. And I guess it really bothered him because when he got up to speak, he says, you know, somebody said I ought to go and take homiletics. He said, now that's when you learn how to talk. He said, now I don't understand that. He says, nobody ever misunderstands what I'm saying. And he says, besides that, he says, I've got a GED. He said, that means I'm a good educated dummy. <laughs> anyway. Doug and I talked about it, and he says, well, Jack, I know how much you like to train others, because usually when I would go put on a meeting on Sundays while I was there, I would do a, a lay training school regardless of where I went. My wife you got, would get upset at me a little bit because Sunday was supposed to be a day off. But anyway, when I accepted the position, and we, took, we started in January of 2009, uh, I asked Elder Pedersen, I said, how many meetings a year do you want me to hold? He said, oh, I don't know, four. I said, okay. I think so far I'm on number six or seven this year, but anyway. I said, well, <clears throat> I have this burden about doing some kinds of... He said, Jack, I don't care what you do. You're the evangelist. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Go do what the Lord asks you to do. And so I've really enjoyed doing that. And I've been going around to different churches and doing what I call a reunion seminar. It's, a, it's only a six-night meeting, but it's a meeting based for members, um, not quite so active members, inactive members, 
former members, <laughs> acquaintances, relatives, <laughs> people you've uh, had some kind of a contact with, you know, maybe a health seminar, I don't know. Um, but the whole thing is based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you what my last night's subject is, so just in case some of you are still wondering about this guy. How to overcome known sin. See, I believe what this Bible says. And the Bible tells me, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. If it isn't possible, God's a liar. Are you hearing me? If it isn't possible, God's a liar. Now, I've met people. Maybe you know some of them. They're working really hard to be one of the 144,000. They're so much fun to be around that you don't want to be around them. And the 144,000 is going to show Jesus to the world more than anybody else since the apostolic days. And, and if, if 144,000 walks around, look like they've been baptized in lemon juice, I can tell you in advance, you're not one of the 144,000. And why are you so concerned about it anyway? Well, uh, they're going to be translated. So what? If I got to take a nap, who cares? You know, the beautiful part, we're told in the special resurrection... All those who died in the three angels' message will be resurrected. They will be with the 144,000 to actually hear God pronounce the date and to see Jesus come. Who cares? I just want to be there. How about you? Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't be striving to be one of the 144,000. But how? Getting to know Jesus and God the Father. Are you with me? I'm just going to give you a little hint about tomorrow. Who's in control of this world? You know, most of the time people say God's in control. No, he's not. God is not in control. You see, God is other-centered. Do you understand what I'm saying now? That's why he is a God of love. And the only way he can be other-centered was to create beings with free choice. Are you with me? And when he gave free choice, he has to submit to it. Are you with me? Okay. Therefore, who's really in charge? We could say Satan, but really he isn't. We are. That's right. We're in charge. We're in charge. And unless we give our life to Jesus and say, Lord, we don't want to be in charge. You be in charge. There are times God cannot do what he would like to do. You know, the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy will. Okay? Thy will be done. Hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. Where? On earth. But where is his will done? So where is his will done? It's, it's done in heaven. There is no question God's will is done in heaven. None. You know why? Nobody questions it, and they're all there because they want to be. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why are we praying that if God's in control and everything's done by his will? You know, just let that sink in. I, I'll give you a little prelude for tomorrow, okay? We need to love and fill our hearts with Jesus. Jesus says, 
This is eternal life, to know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. Let me ask you a question. Who do you guys think you are? Hmm? Just who do you think you are? You know? Do we really? What would you say, Bruce? Okay. Think. I like that. You know that, it, it, Bruce, that reminds, you know, when I ask people, Seventh-day Adventists, are you going to, ha- are you saved? They say, well, I hope so. Are you going to heaven? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm praying I will. What is that? Just who do you think you are? You know, I, I want to leave you with this text tonight. I'm not done yet, but I want you to, I want you to take this one home with you. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I've got to admit my age and put my glasses on, guys. <clears throat> we look here, and the Bible tells us this. 1 John chapter 5, reading in verse 11. And this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things I have written unto you, that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, ah, no, that's not right, you may think you have eternal life. You may what? Know you have eternal life. That you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now I know Ellen White talks about we shouldn't be talking about, you know, we're saved. You need to go back and read what she meant when she said it. Okay? We need to be really careful about walking around and saying, <clears throat> I'm saved. That's presumption, and you ought not to do that. But if somebody asks you, are you saved? You can say, yes, because Jesus is in my heart. Because if I have the Son, I have eternal life. Why don't we start acting like it? You know? It, it amazes me. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know none of y'all watch movies. But they had one come out here just a while back. It was called The Bucket List. <laughs> y'all, y'all know what that movie was about? Yeah. It, it's before you actually kick the bucket. It's everything you want to make sure that you have accomplished or done. You know, I'm amazed at how many Seventh-day Adventists have bucket lists. Listen, folks, this ain't it. Hello? This is not it. If you have eternal life, then life ain't over here. Do you need a bucket list? No. Why? Everything you've ever wanted is going to come true. Do you believe it? Start acting like sons and daughters of God. You know, you need, listen, <laughs> girls, you've got a mansion in heaven. I know Jesus said so. And you know what, girls? It's exactly the way y'all want it. You know why? Us guys don't care. Just leave our chair alone. But now the one out in the country, I've got that all built. I hope you do. You know, I, I, I'm going to have a, a whole wall of nothing but beautiful climbing roses. And, and my roof's going to be made out of, of uh, grapes and kiwis. Y'all know why? Because when I'm sitting in my chair and I'm hungry, I'm going to reach up and pick dinner for today and tomorrow, okay? <laughs> I'm going to make sure I have a hot springs and, 
And, and outside, there's this beautiful little lake there with the mountains in the background. And, and, and I've got some of the most beautiful horses you will have ever laid your eyes on. And, and, you know, I love dogs. My wife taught me to love dogs, you know. But, you know, them kitty cats. You know, you guys that are cat owners, you know what I'm talking about, you know. It starts purring, it'll put you to sleep. You know what I'm talking about? Hmm? When I get to heaven, I'm getting me a kitty cat. And we're going to go out in the meadow next to the lake and we're going to take a nap. Amen? Heaven is a real place. You're already richer than any person has ever lived on the face of this earth. Just got to wait a little while to spend it. Amen? But it's yours. I was in one meeting and I got done, a little 10-year-old boy came up to me. He said, Pastor Jack, I don't want to go to heaven. I said, why not? Well, I won't be able to water ski. I said, well, what makes you think you won't be able to water ski? Ain't going to be no boats in heaven. I said, you know what, son, you're probably right. I said, but have you ever been to Marine World? He said, yeah. I says, have you seen them big killer whales? He said, yeah, they're really nice. I said, do you think one of those could pull you fast enough to go water skiing? His eyes got about that big around. He says, you mean I can have one of those? I said, I don't know why not. He said, when can we go? Do you realize what Satan has done To the sons and daughters of God, not to mention out in the world, he makes it unbelievable. What do you want to go to heaven for? When you go to heaven, you're going to get this little cloud. That's yours. You're going to get this golden crown. You've earned it, you little goody two-shoes. And you're going to give you a golden harp. Don't worry about it if you can't play it. You're going to sit on that cloud and strum your heart, heart forever and ever and ever and ever. And you'll learn how to play it. Don't you want to go? Or you can have all the fun you want to have. Drink all the booze you want to drink. Smoke all the cigarettes you want. Take all the dope. Run around with all the women you want to. You can just have a ball. But you get eternal life anyway. It's just going to be a little warm. But think of all the friends you'll have with you. That's what Satan's teaching the world. That's what most of the world believes. Hello? We need to be a witness that ain't true. Jesus loves us. And we are the sons and daughters of God. We're going to live forever. I have some people, you know, my mother's 87 years old. She said the other day, she said, I don't even know why I'm alive. I said, you know what, Mama, you're alive to help me right now. And I said, as long as you're taking breath in, there's a reason you're here. And we need to remember that. And the biggest reason is to tell other people, if nothing else, a smile that you know something they don't. This ain't it. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm going to live forever. And whatever you got here, when I leave, you can have mine too. I don't know about the rest of you. I'm 66. And if this is as good as it gets, you can have mine. Amen. (laughs) Listen. What? do we believe you know people you know if you win one of those shopping spree things you know what i'm talking about you know if you get a grocery shopping spree don't start at the potato chip aisle because you'll fill up your basket fast (laughs) there's a lot of people eating potato chips if, if you get, if you get to, to have a shopping spree in a computer store, don't go in and get computers. Go get the little chips. 
<laughs> you can sell one of those and buy three or four computers, amen, and you load up your basket with chips, you're got it made when it comes to computers. You know what I'm thinking about? Folks, we have it all. But we got to believe we've got it all. You know? There's a story told about Napoleon. He was out, you know, reviewing his soldiers, and he was on this big white steed, you know, and uh, he was riding along, and all of a sudden he lost one of the reins. And one of the privates ran out of the, you know, file and grabbed the rein and handed it back up to him. And he says, well, thank you, Captain. He said, Captain, I'm a private. He said, no, you're not. You're Captain of my guard as of right now. So he turned around and walked down where the special guys were, you know. And he walked up and he says, where's my position? And the guy says, position for what? He says, to be part of, the, of this Captain's guard. Who told you you were part of the captain's guard? Him. And he also said, I was captain. Yes, sir. What did he do? He believed it. Amen? <laughs> we need to believe it too. We need to understand if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you are a prince of the universe. You're a princess beyond your wildest dreams. You know, in church, we ought to start acting and treating each other like royalty. Amen? I mean, some of y'all wouldn't say some of the things you say, you know, if President Obama and his wife were here, you'd be afraid they'd hear it. I got news for you. The newest member who's got a whole lot to learn has a much higher position. Treat the person in the church better than you treat Mr. Obama. And by the way, <laughs> when somebody is baptized, what does the Bible call them? Babies. I wished we could remember it. But we got people in the church, they think when they're baptized, they went from birth to a Ph.D. overnight. Hello? Y'all know it's true. Babies make messes, right, mamas? Hmm? Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and you, and you got to clean them up, isn't that right? You know? Yeah. You know, it amazes me. You remember when you brought the little baby home, mamas? You remember that far back, Kenya? Okay. And, and, and it began to grow. And one day it stood up at the coffee table. You remember that? And then it let go and just took off walking, didn't it? Huh? That what happened? What happened? It fell down. That's right. And when it fell down, dad picked this baby up and said, this baby is defective, walked over, opened the door, and pitched it out. Amen? What did daddy do? He picked it up, loved it, brushed it off, and says, try it again. That's what Jesus does. That's what God the Father does. Well, if we're the sons and daughters of God, that's what we need to do. Amen? You know, it says, love your brother, your sister. Always assume they did it for the right reason, not the wrong reason. Always defend them. How are you? Go back and read that, you know. You wanna, I know the Living Bible is paraphrased. Okay, you all know what that means. I read it. This is what it said. But I'm going to tell you something. You read 1 Corinthians 13 in the Living Bible, and I'm telling you I believe God inspired that man when he wrote it. Every time I think I've arrived, I go back and read it, and I ask the Lord to forgive me because I haven't measured up at all. We need to love one another like you wouldn't believe because folks we're the sons and daughters of God we need to treat each other like royalty because we are we need to start thinking like that 
instead of thinking like people who are not leaving this world. Amen? People out there ought to can see something different about us. They, they can hear something different about us. There's just something different about us. And it ain't the Sabbath and we don't eat cheese. It's because we're sons and daughters of God. And we know who He is. And God is a God of love. A God of love. Do you understand? Even when you go against... Do you know? You can curse God. You can tell Him to go away from you and don't ever come back. And don't bother you under any circumstances. I'm not going to serve you. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you know God still loves you anyway. Just the same. God still loves you just the same. Is he sad? Yes. Is he going to do everything in his power to try to change your mind? Yes. He can't, though. It's your choice. But he still loves you just as much as the one who said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. Do you understand that? If you can't see that in the plan of salvation and Jesus dying on the cross, there's something wrong with your relationship between you and Jesus. We have to love the people in the world. And if we learn to love the people, it'll make such a difference within our hearts. You know, the one thing about it, Doc, I like about my job, I make everybody happy. See, some are happy I came. Some will be happy when I leave. But I get to make everybody happy. Not everybody can do that. I want to close with this little story. There was a naturalist went out to visit a farm. And when he got out to the farm, he noticed the chicken coop. And in the chicken coop was this beautiful eagle. And he asked the farmer, what is this eagle doing in the chicken coop? And, you know, he's walking around picking like the rest of the chickens. He said, well, I was out one day, and he says, I found this baby eagle that apparently had fallen out of the nest. And he said, I picked it up and took it home, and I put it in with the chickens. And he said, believe it or not, the chickens even started taking care of it. And uh, he said, he thinks he's a chicken. And the naturalist says, that isn't natural. He said, oh, I know. He says, listen, I let him out. He just still walks around the yard. And when I open the door, he goes back in the pen. The naturalist said, well, would you mind if, if I try to experiment with him? He said, well, sure, go right ahead. So he took this eagle, went up in the top of the barn, opened the top of the barn door, and he said, now, Mr. Eagle, you're an eagle. You're not a chicken. You're not made to be down here picking on this thing. You're made to soar up there in the heavens. Now he says, I want you to go be an eagle. And he threw him out the door. And the eagle went out and went, <whistles> bam! Got up, started walking around picking like a chicken. <laughs> Guy was amazed. So he took this chicken, and he took him way up on top of the windmill, and he said, now listen, he says, you're not a chicken, you're an eagle. And you need to soar like an eagle. And he threw him off. He went, <whistles> bam, got up and started walking around, pecking like a chicken. Finally, the naturalist took him way up in the mountain on the side of this great big cliff. It was at least 400 feet down. And he said, Mr. Eagle, I want you to know something. You're an eagle, not a chicken. You're meant to fly. And he says, today, you're either going to do it or you're going to die. And so he took Mr. Eagle and he threw him off of that cliff and the eagle started going down and all of a sudden he caught a glimpse of another eagle. He stuck out his wings, he began to soar, and he flew off. 
The difference is he saw the other ego. We need to be sons and daughters of God so that when they see, you know my prayer more than anything else, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I pray that the Lord will fill my heart, that he will come and do what he promised. What did he promise? I who began the good work in you, if you will let me, I will finish it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody could look at us and say, wow, now I know what Jesus is like. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your love, for the gift of Jesus, and for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Please, fill us with your Holy Spirit as never before. Help us to remember we should be saved tomorrow morning. And every morning of our life, we should say, Lord, thank you for giving me another day. Please take me again today as wholly thine, and not my will, but thy will be done. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the ability to become the sons and daughters of God. Forgive us because we haven't believed, but help our unbelief. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that others will see we have spent time with you and that we are the sons and daughters of God. Not to brag, Father, but that they will see you and want to be part with you. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.